Christ, you piece of shit. Welcome to Tripod, a podcast about cinema's unofficial trilogies, three films which are not linked by the usual elements like characters or plot, but instead are connected by a director or writer or actor or sometimes much, much less. Today we are kicking off our Cage Uncaged trilogy with the 1996 Michael Bay-directed Nicolas Cage action picture, The Rock. The Rock. Let's rock and roll. Let's do it. This movie I'm excited, man. You like this movie? You had fun? I love this movie. It, I, I, yeah, I had a lot All of right. fun in this. It was uh, Good. so silly and so 90s. It was crazy. I think this is this is a hot take off the board. This is the granddaddy of dad films. This is like, <laughs> I could not imagine a film that, dads all around the world would prefer to watch on like a lazy sunday like ah oh, the rock's on ah oh, look at that cutlery like cage <laughs> watch four you know they say what this is a bond film <laughs> what constitutes a dad film uh i don't know what are the criteria of, uh, you know what i think it's purely dialogue like secure the perimeter and god damn it get the president <laughs> on the line like that kind of stuff i <laughs> feel was, like there's a lot of like there's also a lot of like um, uh, young people who don't know what they're talking about as well against a bunch yes, of old people. Against older people. And the old who people are like, like, get this guy out get of here. Get out of here. He was in diapers yeah. by the time I'd finished in the yeah. academy. Like that. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I was running black ops in there while I, you were still in diapers. Exactly. Kind of I wrote down a quote. Yeah. Um, that I thought if we ever want to shift this podcast, cause we've got so many ideas for dumb movie podcasts, I thought <laughs> a podcast called secure the perimeter or I got a bad <laughs> feeling about this would be a really good, uh, action movie podcast. Cause they are in every action movie pre, I don't know, 2005, like, <laughs> man, they're all over the place. A big um, trope indeed. Did you even yeah. introduce your name? Oh, I'm Matt. I mean, I'm yeah. uh, I'm Matt Goodspeed, Doctor Matt, Matt Goodspeed. Goodspeed. Oh, what Matt a silly. Goodspeed that was, and that was, Aspinall. The, this movie was so '90s for so many reasons. One of them was yeah. how bold they were with their like, like kind of this is a movie choices, where they were just like, <laughs> yeah, his name's Goodspeed. Get used to it, like, and he likes the Beatles, so you should like him Get too. Like this to kind it. of like. I don't know. There's just some, some, some real uh, some schlock and some cheese. You know what I loved? Right I would just that. say this is like this go, is go, just go. like a movie about more. It's just more this, more that. It's okay. like I feel like Michael Bay was sitting there wondering, okay, what else can we put in the frame here right now? Okay, if you got like if you have like a warehouse, you have to make sure the the floor is covered with water so that like. There's reflective surfaces and there's more movement. Yes. Okay. You yeah, know, if there's yeah. sparks, there's got to be a lot of sparks. If it's rain, it's got to be a lot of rain. Yes. The if there's rain like in this movie in the was realm, nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It did I mean, wow. he? You know the tram sequence. Um, the uh, the the when Nick Cage is in the Ferrari chasing Connery down the down the street yes. and the tram, the the cable car explodes. <laughs> um, yeah. They took. They, this they, is a scientist. Just by the way, he's a scientist. Yeah. He knows how to like. Expert. <laughs> yeah, he's not a field agent. Um, no. Yeah, they. Yes, I remember the, the scene. 
I was watching the making of of that scene and the way they did it was they put the t- cable car, they blocked off the street and put the cable car in the middle of the street and put it over these um, hydraulic poles, met- metal poles that when they fired upwards, it launched the tram. And it literally launched it, I don't know, mm. maybe like 15 metres in the air. It was insane. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Michael Bay shot that. They, they, I think they only did it once, and they filmed it mm. from seven different angles, which oh, is gosh. why you have such a kind of three sixty view of everything that's happening in that moment, where it's you know, and then it's the the beautiful like that's what's strange about Michael Bay. I think is that he is such a filmmaker in the sense that he can do or he will do whatever the cost. He will do insane action very high stakes, sometimes very emotional kind of character beats or like reactions and people screaming and crying and, you know, whatever. But then he'll have like, as a button, he'll have a tram driver be like, oh, damn, it's my baby. Like, like, as a, like he'll have those quips at the end of a really, like just, just to get a laugh in there for the audience. Like, yeah. kind of like just, just to break up the, te- like, that's what I mean is like, it's such a movie's, it's 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 such a '90s kind of popcorn movie because it kind of mm. is just like, hey, they're here to see a good picture. Let's let's set them down and yeah. entertain them in all kinds of ways. Yeah, it's almost designed for like, geez, it's almost like designed for like millennials and Gen Z people now, in a way, because there's so much stimulus, so much movement, yeah, so much true. happening. There's like not one shot lasts two seconds, no, no scene lasts more than a minute almost. I think you're just being catapulted into the next thing. That's a great way to think about. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Is you're just being slung around into each scene, and um, <laughs> in, and sometimes it's such a jarring, like the 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 uh, difference. <laughs> but even just when you think about Goodspeed's introduction, that comes yeah. after what I would say is potentially the most violent and brutal first death scene in a movie. I've like ever seen after that chemical gas gets on that soldier and then it's just immediately <laughs> cuts to Nick Cage like like playing with gadgets and he's being a goofball yeah. and he's like I like the Beatles like it's like whoa what a weird tri- what a weird vibe this guy we just got saw a and guy get melted Cronenberg yeah. style like what the hell's going on <laughs> and then straight into another a similar scene where he's like, there's a, there's that bomb that's gone off in his laboratory or whatever. And that yeah. other guy's screaming and wailing and stuff. Yeah. It's like the chart is just going off up and down so many peaks and valleys and stuff on, on this one. And they, 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 kind of, they, they relinquish kind of believability for the joke, which is like, the guy being like, get me out of here, man. You nearly made me stab this in my heart. Like it's like <laughs> meant to be like, ah, what a, what a, <laughs> What a gas! Like this, <laughs> I don't know. Like this, this young whippersnapper is annoyed at the old scientist for trying to make him do this. Like, hey, yeah. they were trying to save yeah. you, man. Oh, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's so it's yeah. so much fun to watch these kind of films because wow. they kind of just don't give a shit about believability. They're just more like, what's the most fun thing we could do right now? What's the mm. funniest line, mm. or or not mm. even funniest? What's mm. just the, I don't know. Because so, there was no there was no moment in this film where I laughed genuinely at like a quip or a line. It was all ironic of like this is dumb, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> it's like junk food, you know. You just eat it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, junk food is good, you know. Like junk food is very intelligently like made to appeal to the masses. Yes. In a way. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't want. I'm not trying to be. Yeah. I'm not trying to be pejorative when I say that as well. It's like, this has been like 
expertly crafted to appeal to as many people as possible mm. be entertaining to people who are probably at this point getting desensitized to action they're like all right mm. how do we reinvent the wheel and make this more even more action-packed <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it sounds like you're more on the ebert corner he had that show at the movies with gene siskel was his name right so uh, roger ebert oh, gene siskel. Okay. i love what i love watching the debates he, like i'd say like nine times out of ten i agree more with like gene siskel but mm. uh in this case i'm sort of in between the two so roger ebert loves the movie siskel didn't like the movie mm. and he didn't like the movie for the reasons for the issues i have with it as well which is that like for me at points i got tired and i was like okay we need to move along here mm-hmm. mainly in the first half actually i'd say in like somewhere in the start of the second act around about the time they're introducing sean connery's character i was like okay let's get to the rack please yeah we get well, to the they, rack? they have that full <laughs> they have that full um action scene during in the in the streets of san francisco just to yeah. establish that he's good at escaping and is going to be hard to contain <laughs> and also has the emotional stakes of his daughter you know to get out of this thing so yeah. it's they they have a yeah, big yeah. kind of 20 to 25 minute sequence that is only like well it's it's purely it's purely to service the action needs of the film rather than mm. like it's it's mm. i i was thinking this would be funny if the film was just them chasing down connery and forgetting the fact that they had that island thing to do with, like, <laughs> that's what i mean you know, i was, I was like, like don't you guys have like don't you guys have, like what are you doing yeah but do you know do you know what was funny during that scene as well is any film that is um any film that is filmed in san francisco on those iconic streets with those beautiful houses and, and you know sloping mm. streets and say it doesn't matter what kind of movie it is. Um, it's it, I cannot get Mrs. Doubtfire out of my head, and so every time there's an action, like whatever scene happens, I'm always like, Mrs. Doubtfire is just going to be like in a side shot, just being like, "Oh, hello, dear!" Like, just like as as a, as a Ferrari like rips past her, I'm like, "Where is she? And she's she's somewhere. She's walking around." Still have yet to see that movie. Maybe one day I will. Oh man, one we got to do a day. we got to do a Robin Williams trilogy where he. Uh, I don't know. Where's prosthetics or something? Yeah, yeah. We can we can try and shoehorn him into a into a trilogy. I'm sure. You were talking about the the craft of this movie, so we can talk about the craftsmen who who and, and women who were making it, which is, uh, I guess, Michael Bay coming off his first movie, mm. Bad Boys. Um, yes, and yes. doing this, um, and yeah. and the producing team of of uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and and uh, Don Simpson. Don Simpson. I Don can't Simpson. think it was Don, Don Scott. Don, Sim- Don yeah. Simpson. Don Simpson, who this film is dedicated to. Yes, died in the middle of production. The making. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are the guys behind Top Gun and a lot of seminal 80s and early 90s action movies. Yeah, Top Gun, um, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah. kind of, you know, again, the kind of pictures that just just entertain <laughs> Yeah, I love producers <laughs> back in the day. Like, it's weird. Producers... And directors used to only use the word picture for a movie from like 19, <laughs> 1930 to like 1996 and then it ended for some reason. Like no one, no one's like, no one's sitting down for an interview on like Graham Norton or, or like mm. Colbert being like, yeah, it's a great picture. You should go and see it. Like no one says that anymore. <laughs> I really want it to come back. I love it so much. I was watching all these Bruckheimer interviews where he just kept saying, yeah. like, it's a great picture. You know, you should go take the kids. It's a great picture. I was like, yeah, it's a it is a great picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't know. But you were saying, I think, I, I, think I, I did like it, but I think I probably liked it in the sense that I was watching it for this show and I was excited to talk about all the dumb shit in it. 
Um, you know, would I, would I, would I suggest it for a night with, you know, my girlfriend and her family to like sit down and watch? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I would actually, I don't know. Cause it's, it's got Connery, it's got Cage, it's got, and I mean, Ed Harris, I mean, my God, the consummate bad guy. Um, <laughs> Wait, when, is he the consummate bad guy? Well, see in my head. How many bad he, guys has he played? That's the thing, right? I, in my head, as soon as he, and the first shot of the film is essentially Ed Harris, like sitting in a room. And I was like. Oh, bad guy. Like, and that was yeah. like, but, but I think that's maybe a little bit unjust because he's a bad guy in, again, a Nick Cage film, the National Treasure uh, films were like the first or second one. I can't remember. Um, second one, I think. Yeah. He's, he's kind of the baddish guy in, in Truman Show. Um, I'm sure that he's got more, but he, I was he's looking a at bad his guy in, he is one of the antagonists in, um, that movie with Viggo Mortensen, um, oh, oh, History um, of Violence. Oh, Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say history of violence. Okay, yeah. Um, but then yeah. I was looking and I was like, actually, you know what? He's played. He just for me, he screams as the the guy who's going to turn and be the bad guy. Um, mm. I've seen him do that, like he'll turn so many times. But at the same time, he's you know he's not the bad he, guy in Apollo thirteen. He's like you know the, yeah. the NASA kind of team leader in that movie. You know that kind of. So I was, I yeah. was a bit like, he's an oh, extreme. Yeah. Yeah. He's an extremely handsome man, and yet put him in the sun for like maybe two hours, bake him up a bit, and he would look exactly like the Red Skull from like Captain America. Oh my god! Like he <laughs> he has this like really striking angular face that works so well for villains, and yet he's done a good job avoiding playing just villains because there's a lot of movies where he is the you know he's, he plays. He's not just a character actor. He's been playing leads for a long time as well, like mm. in The Abyss. Yeah. So it's amazing that he's been able to avoid the talent that he has and the, <laughs> the yeah. gift that he was given with that like super angular face. Yeah, and there's like it looks like it eyes. was like a face carved out of a cliff with those yes. piercing eyes. He's Westworld done a great job. Well. Westworld is as well. There's, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, before we go any further, I think we should introduce what this trilogy is. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Listeners are dying to know what this is all about. <laughs> Uh, so as you said in your introduction, this is the Cage Uncaged trilogy. All right. It follows three films that Nicolas Cage starred in, in from 1996 to 1997. Uh, that is The Rock. The next one being Con Air. And the third one being Face Off. Face Off. Where he takes his face off. <laughs> <laughs> but this was this was this was Nicolas Cage's leap into not just movie stardom, but also well into movie stardom basically mm. into being an action vehicle lead. Mm. And it kicks off with him being he is the protagonist in this, I would argue, but he is sort of second fiddle in a way to Sean Connery, who is the yes the it, it architect felt, of a lot of action going on. It felt like a passing of the torch film, like literally Connery was, yeah. being like. I, I was the guy, you know, a couple mm-hmm. decades ago with Bond and, you know, all those. Yeah. And, and this is the new yeah. guy. And it's almost like a, yeah, like a baton yeah. kind of passing of like, here you go, Nick. But interestingly, Cage yeah. obviously wins the Oscar in 95. Yes. And then goes on during the filming of this, of this, and then goes on to win, uh, sorry, then goes on to film these three films, which are mm. kind of. Again, the, the trilogy is called Cage Uncaged for a reason because mm. it kind of people see it as him becoming the kind of meme of Nick Cage, this kind of guy mm. who who heightens words and yeah and screams certain things yeah. and loses yeah. it in every movie, and uh, yeah. and is either a genius or, or or like you know 
not great. Like it would, depending on who you are and how you see it, <laughs> it's that ultimate question in community where it's like, is Nick mm. Cage good or not? And it's like, it drives people crazy, but he's definitely so watchable, but it's so interesting because these three, mm. I mean, this is probably going to be the tightest trilogy we do in terms of time that it came out three movies in two years. Yeah. Three movies in two years. He's a busy, busy man. Mm. He, he's like, say what you will about him. He is like so dedicated to his work. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, that's because, there's all these stories that come out of ET or whatever about him being in like dead or having like tax issues and needing to just like get some like paychecks real quick. But maybe that like factors into how he makes some decisions about what he stars in, but he just loves acting by the scenes of it. But that's the thing. From, like even every if, interview. You see it. Even if it is a decision like financially, at least mm. he's, at least he's not rain, like phoning it in. Like you, no, see, that, a yeah, Nick, that's you it. see a yeah. Nick Cage film and you're like, I saw a lot of Nick Cage in that film or a different yes, version. He know? never, there's so many examples of actors who are clearly like not there. Um, mm. Recently there's been a lot of examples of like Bruce Willis being on set, doing the lines and then leaving, being fed the lines through his ears as well. Um, and there's a whole bunch of baggage related to that. But with Nicolas Cage, it's like he's there to work and he like, he delivers. Mm. He gives you all he's got, which is always great to see. And yeah. like, honestly, in the lead up to this, I was a little bit, mm, how shall we say, well, I'm just, I've just been trying to work out what to say on, on this subject because I've been trying to work out what hasn't already been said about Nicolas Cage as a performer because I, w- I was reading all these articles and they're all outlining the same things about uh, where his style came from, uh, what it all means and what he brings to each performance. And I'm just trying to think, like, what hasn't been said about Nicholas Cage already. I mean, what's your relationship to his work? How many like Cage films have you seen? Great question because one of my favorite films and people can see it on my letterbox account is, is in my favorite four is Matchstick Men, which is uh, a yeah. film he made. Oh geez. What year was it? Seems Not long like after this, I'd say maybe yeah. a couple of years after. Yeah. I think late nineties like late late or even early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah. It's called Matchstick Man. He did it with Sam Rockwell, hmm. another one of my favorites, but I saw that film when I was a kid, uh, when I was like 10 or 11 years old and, um, 2003. So, you know, yeah. How many and, years and, it and it was one of the first films that I saw where, well, I think it was probably the first film I saw that has a, has a kind of twist in it. And it took hmm. me for such a ride that I think it awakened some kind of like, I was like, that is so cool that you just tricked me so well like that, you know, good job yeah. movie kind of thing. And, um, yeah. and, and I think as well, it kind of, it just took me away. Like it just, I think it was a Sunday night. I didn't want to go to school the next day and like, you know, stayed up with hmm. that and watched this movie. And I was just so enamored by it. So in, yeah. in that sense, uh, he's in one of my favorite kind of most seminal movies. Um, mm. and then in, in another sense, I haven't seen his kind of mm. most famous works. I don't think I, I haven't mm. seen face off. I hadn't seen the rock. I hadn't seen con air, but mm. then I haven't also seen his kind of award nominated films. Like I can't even mm. think of the name. Uh, it's, is it leaving Las Vegas or oh, leaving Las Vegas? Yeah. Which I um, did watch in the lead up to this. Cause I was interested to see his transition from like, Mostly art house films to yes. then big blockbuster actions. Yes, um, I yeah. know. I know yeah. a little bit more about him as a person than like kind of the films that he's done. I know that he's a, a nephew mm. of of Francis Ford Coppola, the guy who directed mm. um, Godfather and Apocalypse Now, and a, a huge Hollywood kind of icon. Uh, and the mm. reason he is Nick Cage is is to avoid being kind of uh, 
the the product of nepotism to kind of go at his mm. own pace and go at his own way. Yeah. What we studied in interviews in, in university says, is another thing. That's that's what I saw. I, saw, I remember seeing Moonstruck. He's one of his first ones. It's a romantic comedy. Oh, you with, saw Moonstruck? Yeah, with Cher. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of. I haven't I'm seen kind that of, one. It's kind of patchwork. I'm kind of patchwork on Cage, but uh, you know, I love. I mean, it's hard not to be. Even seeing fifty percent of his work means you have to see at least fifty movies. That's a lot of stuff <laughs> Jeez, to yeah, watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, the man works, and like to be to it, like again, not trying to like knock his work. A lot of the films, uh, a lot of the films he's he started now aren't that great, uh, and that's not for lack of his effort and you know the production's effort and the director's effort and stuff. It's just mm. he take he makes these bets and they don't always pay off. Yeah, They're always bold and usually. At the very least, his his acting choices are interesting if the movie isn't. But there's a lot of, like, you know, not great stuff in there, like Next, G-Force. Oh, God, Trespass I've never heard of. Uh, oh, I'm I going up Trespass. to the very top here. I know Trespass. <laughs> I've heard a movie podcast talk about that. Oh, yeah? but I, I, I want to go oh, through your, your relationship with these movies, but, but I should say okay. as well that I think I, I neglected the two National Treasure movies for me as a kid I was yeah. obsessed with. Um, yeah. I love those films. I still do. I still love those films. Yeah. I love him in them. Um, I have a theory mm. that this is actually the origin. This movie, his character in this movie, is the origin of the the character in, in uh, <laughs> which we'll get to because of the last scene. I think I have a good. Case. I understand. I, yes. I don't think this that's is actually no, this, a good take. This is, this is both the ending of the the Connery Bond films and also the beginning <laughs> of Nick Cage's uh, at National Treasure films, but also. Um, uh, the other, th- uh, I, I love him in um, in Kickass. I remember seeing him in Kickass. Obviously, um, hit your yes. dad. So yeah, I've I've seen, yes. like you said, I've seen a lot mm. of his work, but it's it's kind of barely mm. scratching the surface. What about yeah. you? Yeah, see, I'm the same. I'm the same. So I, I'm tr- I've been trying to think when I first got exposed to him as an actor. I can think of many other like actors where I, I can I know the exact like movie I saw when I you know figured out these people were who they were like i don't know bad example johnny depp for instance i was like parts of the caribbean that was my first exposure to him yeah and that's how i found out about him as a movie star but yeah yeah with nicholas cage i don't know what it is and i think to be honest maybe him as a performer had floated around the back of my head mm. i'd seen him in posters here and there and stuff but maybe my first exposure to him was honestly just the memes that get produced about him right which is yeah. him being this unhinged uh meme basically Unhinged. there's like all those like faces and gifts that were made about him yeah um it may have been that i think that like first introduced me to cage nick like national treasure would have been a big one maybe it was ghost rider even like just seeing that around because it was, was a big movie at the ghost time Rider. Ghost Rider. <laughs> maybe, but, maybe like, his last foray into kind of like big action set piece films kind of thing like has he done? Because he's well, kind yeah, of obviously he's done like recently. He's kind of come back a bit and done done things like Pig, and he he was in uh, the mm. unbearable, unbearable weight of massive talent, which I actually saw recently on on a plane because that felt like a good yes. plane movie. Um, yeah, and that was a weird I, one. I really wanted because, to watch that. Yeah, it's I such really a wanted to watch that in the lead up to this. It's such a retrospective on his career. Um, yeah, but it, also it, a reclamation yeah. a reclamation of his career, I'd say, because a lot of yeah. like. A lot of people, when they do think of him, they think, oh, he's that, like, he's that guy who acts weird and is in lots of bad movies. Mm. And I think he, I think I read interviews of him when he was negotiating whether or not to do that, um, to do that movie or that picture. Uh, (laughs) 
And it's a good picture. He was worried that this was like poking more fun at him. And the director was trying to assure him that, no, this is like trying to celebrate all the work you do. Uh, yeah. because he really is like such an animated performer. And like, I, I definitely, when I was young, I took it for granted, but when I first started to really appreciate who he was, it was what kick-ass was a big one. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, his performance in that fits so well. And is like, unlike anything, I, any other performance I know about, mm. it's honestly one of the funniest things His the way he delivers lines, his physicality is so good. But when I really started to appreciate him was when I did like a Joel and Ethan Cohen retrospective and went back and watched um, Raising Arizona. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Okay. The funniest movie ever. And he is like, <laughs> as like, as this is funny because we just did Edgar Wright, an Edgar Wright trilogy, but that's his favorite movie of all time. It's like one of Simon Pegg's as well. Really? And it's what they, they call it Looney Tunes in live action. And it really is like the way he like animates himself on screen mm. is so funny. And he does a talk about, he does a talk about it um, where he explains doing rehearsals with Joel and Ethan Cohen and they were laughing all the time and they pull him aside one time and they're like, we're laughing, but we don't know why. <laughs> we don't know what it is you're doing. That is funny, but it just is. <laughs> I, we don't I, know how to weapon. I saw an interview with, um, with uh, Josh Brolin recently where he, he was being kind yeah. of sarcastic, but he said he was like any movie that the Coen brothers that have made that is good is purely by accident. Cause he's like, he, he, cause, cause he, cause he was like every time he, he would do something they would, you know, that they would laugh at, they wouldn't quite be able to define it. Like he, he gave a great example of on the set of, um, no country for old men where, where his character yeah. finds the bodies and finds the money up the top of the film. Mm. Um, he, mm. he said to, he said to, uh, the Coen brothers, cause he had no dialogue in that scene. He was mm. like, don't you think that when he finds the bag, he should kind of, you know, maybe, maybe he cocks his head and he's like, Hmm. Mm. Or like, Oh, like just something. And, uh, both. Oh of the yeah. He does like, the, they, yeah. 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 They, were, they, they were like, yeah. the, but they looked at him and they were like, what else might he do? And, Josh was like, uh, like maybe like a, uh, or like a, yeah, or whatever did, did like, and he said that they got him to do like a few of them in front of them where he was like, are you guys screwing with me here? Like what's going on? Like, you know, and in the end they chose one that he did. And he said that whenever he would go to screenings of the film, he could tell where the, uh, Ethan Cohen was because he would lose his shit laughing in the cinema. Anytime <laughs> that that line came up where he'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he, so he's like, they don't know what they're doing in a lot of ways. I was like, that's you know, not fair to them, obviously, but he was joking. But yes, yeah, it makes it makes sense. The other thing I would say about Cage is you mentioned his comedy uh, in Kick-Ass. Mm. He's, he's one of the mm. MVPs of, of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. He plays um, Spider-Man Noir. Have you yeah. seen that? I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. I loved him in that. And he, he just, he's the kind of guy who you're like, oh, maybe he's mm. self-serious. Maybe he's like old Hollywood, like, you know, won't, uh, yeah. you know, won't take himself or, or will take himself too seriously as, as a thespian mm. or whatever. But no, he, he, he dives headfirst into, into comedy and he's, he's very good at it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Into the Spider-Verse is interesting because the only way for the last couple of years that Nicolas Cage has been able to do big budget um, blockbusters, and this is now starting to change, I think. I think it's clear it's starting to change, was through voice acting. So it was, yes, Spider-Verse, The Croods, The Croods 2, that happened. <laughs> uh, and, I love how you didn't, um, you didn't, make, 
you didn't make a face for the crudes and then you made a face for the crudes too as if you're like, <laughs> no crudes, one asked like, for that. Pass. I'm like, all right. Whenever you look at the post, you're like, all right, it's DreamWorks. They don't know what they're doing quite yet. Just whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But crudes too is like, no, no one asked for that one. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one. No, there wasn't a single soul who was going. It just wasn't happening. You but know yeah, they asked, made it. You know Good who for asked for that one, Tari? Tired parents on a plane who need to need to <laughs> get their kid up. Crudes too. They just let's needed go. something. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take it. Perfect. Um, yeah, but like voice acting was the only big thing he was able to do, and the rest was smaller budget stuff. And you can kind of track. It's interesting tracking like his his um his paycheck throughout his career mm. because obviously like with any actor starts off small and slowly you work your way up. I think by the time he does, um, he's getting paid. I, I don't know. I don't quite know what he was getting paid prior to leaving Las Vegas, but for leaving Las Vegas, he, he was getting a hundred thousand dollars. That's what he was quoted for that. And he didn't get yeah. paid. Apparently the financier backed out or something like that. Whoa. That movie's a bit of an exception because the director was given or promised that much as well. They weren't paid either. And it was an extremely micro budget film. They had hardly yeah. any money. Um, it's what like Nicholas Cage calls like a bit of an experiment. They just wanted to play around, uh, and make some artwork. They weren't trying to make a big hit. So he wasn't worried about the pay, but a hundred thousand mm. dollars. And I need to get my notes up for this. Cause I want to get, I want to get this right. I just scroll through all this rubbish I have in front can of you, me. Can you, can it be a guessing game Here if you've go. got numbers in front of you? I got numbers in front of me. Okay. I got numbers in front of me. Okay. So. $100,000 is what he gets, is what he's promised for um, leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Before he wins the Oscar, he's already gotten on to um, filming The Rock. So now he's yeah. on The Rock. How much okay. is he getting paid? So The Rock's budget, we should say, I, th- I believe was $75 million US. The Rock <laughs> grossed a total of $134 million in the US uh, and $201 million <clears throat> elsewhere. For a total of three hundred and thirty-five million, it's the seventh highest-grossing film, U.S. box office in nineteen ninety-six, and the fourth highest U.S. Uh, film worldwide that year. Wow, fourth highest. Um, okay, so if the film was seventy-five million, Cage, I feel like Connery would be easily on the highest packet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Harris was established; would be able to would be able to demand a bit. I would say Cage is on. Uh, he hasn't won the Oscar yet. I'm gonna say five hundred thousand. Okay, it's more than that. It was in the millions. I okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> this is gonna be the worst guessing game ever because okay, when it comes to the Rock, I'm actually not hundred percent sure, but it was oh. <laughs> around ten to twenty million dollars. Okay, ten to twenty million dollars. He's getting paid. All right, so he's gone up. He's gone up. People can fact check me and 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 find out if I'm wrong or not. That's yeah, whatever. Ten to but twenty. He's, he's million. going up to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the higher Can't end of that, of that's like nearly – that's more than a quarter of the budget. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus. So he's going up. He's going up in the world. He gets the Oscar. This movie makes, I think, $134 million domestic, $134 million worldwide, something like that. Um, so all of a sudden he becomes a box office magnet now. Yeah, 335 His worldwide. paycheck is now – yeah, his paycheck is now $20 million. Okay, and up. So he's doing – all these action films in the nineties, he's doing national treasures. He's doing, uh, ghost writers, all that kind of stuff. He's getting paid 20 million. Whoa. Flash forward to the mid, uh, 2010s. Yeah. Starts to dip a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. (laughs) 
But that's he had fifteen years of getting twenty million minimum every film. Not every film, but approximately, you know. So yeah, like yeah. those would you know fluctuate depending on what he's working on, what the project is, that kind of stuff. But by the mid twenty tens, it becomes clear that he's had a lot of bombs. They're not working quite as well. It goes down to one to one point five million dollars. Okay, so so like, what was he doing in the in the twenty twenty in the twenty tens? What what, what has he got? Crudes too. Yeah, we've got, we're looking at Season of the Witch, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Drive, Angry, Seeking Justice, Trespass, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, which actually apparently did very well and kind of like bumped up his paycheck a little bit again, and then it died again with Stolen, <laughs> The Frozen Ground, The Croods, uh, Joe, which apparently is good. I haven't seen it. Um, so yeah, down to 1.5 million. He's not looking too hot. Okay. Now he's just recently he's one of his most recent films. I mean, that's a lot of money still. Unbearable like, weight. For the amount of films I mean, yeah, he's made. It is, it is. I know that it's not a lot compared to twenty million, but I know. you I'm can't not, say I'm not that someone's say, ah, poor Nicholas you can't Cage. say that someone's not looking too hot when they're getting a one point five million dollar paycheck on this something. Poor fucker, he can't afford his six, private island no six, more. <laughs> six weeks of work, no only one point five mil. <laughs> it's a goddamn tragedy. No. By the time he gets to Pig, that was his most recent film before um, Unbearable Weight. Yes. Um, he has a little bit of a career uh, resurgence. Um, his quote is now up to $4 million. So he's kind of slowly climbing back up. I think for Pig, again, he got paid around $1 million, but that was a $3 million film. So he's taking a third of the budget on that one. Yeah, wow. Uh, and but that film, that has to be fair, like, that film was all him like you didn't go to see pig for any other reason yeah. than it was a nick cage film i, I would i, I came for the pig i don't think there was enough pig in that film well the pig, got, one, yet, the pig, got, the pig got 1.5 oh there you go that makes sense trouble pigs are yeah they're hard to <clears throat> they're hard to get good ones <laughs> you know you gotta pay for good pig um yeah <laughs> 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 uh yeah, so since that film, his, his quote has gone back up, $4 million. He's slowly climbing back. Um, yeah, there'll probably definitely be a sort of Nick Cage uh, renaissance again, similar to like what <clears throat> Matthew McConaughey had, I suppose. You can weaponize his style. And once a director knows mm. how to weaponize his style of acting, then they can really make it work for the picture they're making. Mandy's mm. a great example of that. Mm. Uh, I remember watching Mandy um and there was people in the audience going like cheering when cage would, would do something wild like will the chainsaw like yeah. people would say uncage him and that kind of stuff yeah so, yeah <laughs> he's had a journey but it all began this entire like all this action stuff all these action vehicles and all this wish fulfillment all these wish fulfillment projects he starts doing starts with the rock basically starts which proved here. to the world that even though he like it proved to the world that he can lead action vehicles like this and yeah, yeah. he had to do it beside an already well-established Sean Connery. But like you said, it was a great passing of the torch moment where it's like, all right, now you can make, you know, Conair and Face Off. Yeah, and yeah. many, many more well after that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. In, very fascinating. That's so cool that it was the, this, is, this is, the, is the origin. This is the origin, yeah. And it's interesting because I thought – I was always thinking that, like, Nicolas Cage would be – I remember seeing it like an uh, like an early interview of him on the on the Dick Cavett show. I don't know. I think it was maybe just after Moonstruck or something. I'm not quite sure, but a very early interview of him, and he was quite mild mannered and chilled, which is you know compared to his other interviews that he does later into his career, 
you know, a very different like side of Cage. Mm. And I thought a lot of his performances would be like that up until The Rock, where he starts going like cutting loose a bit more. But he was, you know, bringing this energy to all his early projects as well, like Vampire's yeah, yeah. Kiss, Moonstruck, yeah. yep. uh, especially Raising Arizona, which I thought was like maybe an exception to the rule. But he was always he always had this energy that he brought to his um, characters. It's like uh, a, the only it's difference like a between like a, he can go crazy yeah. and then be really still and be go crazy. But it's like, it's mm. kind of, it, you, it's like a, um, it's like a, what's the word? Like a, a heart murmur. Like you're like, it's, you don't know mm. when it's going to happen. Like it's like just, Oh, it's spiked. And then it's gone down. Oh, he's spiking yeah. again. Like it's a, and I don't yeah. think he knows either. He's like a musician in that way. I think he's just yeah. like, just playing jazz. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, he's such a, he's just such a fun performer to watch. Like, mm. He makes decisions that no other actor I can think of would make, and, and, and it that, just it helps that he has this interesting, like this interesting voice and these like really like captivating features and this physicality about him. And, I and he just makes he, decisions that you wouldn't expect. He does. He 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 improvises as well. I think because I saw the so we we'll yeah. get into this when we when we want. But I saw the bloopers for this <laughs> film. Have you seen this? Have you seen this on YouTube? No. Oh man, Holy, I wanted to see as much as I could. Oh my god, you! Ha- I've got to send you this. It is <laughs> wild. But there was this. Uh, I'll, I'll preface it in this: the bloopers were eight minutes oh. long. The first oh five minutes are all Ed Harris, and he is <laughs> losing his mind. Like, like. He is either fully in character when he loses, when he misses a line, or he is just kicking stuff, yelling at people, it's and yelling at himself, like smashing the telephone that he's trying to do the line on. It's intense to watch, um, and then uh, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then that, it cuts that, to that. That is so on brand for Ed Harris oh, man. as well. Like, it's wild. It's and wild. He's a bit of a grump. It's wild. It, it then and then it cuts to Nick Cage and God. it's that scene where he's lying on his back and it's the sky view kind of bird's eye view shot of him in, in the in the prison, um, yeah. in the prison cell and he's he's talking about how the he's like you know surrounded by these maniacs and blah 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 like you know <laughs> and he he was he was riffing on lines that you can tell is like well maybe mm. this was written but he he's doing things that obviously didn't make the cut but he he was mm. probably just told like just just you know you've just been thrown into this cell you've gone through this crazy ordeal you've nearly been mm. killed you may be going to be killed like just what do you think go go mm. go crazy and he just has mm. this run of lines that like it's the kind of thing where where does the line um how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you like, it's like, what, what? No one wrote that. No, like if someone wrote that, that's weirder than if he just said it yeah. randomly. Like kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's his line. It's not I like think. a science pun that would fit with his character. No. There's like no, it, it's fucking nowhere. No. We've um, done well. We're about 40 minutes into this thing. We haven't tried doing a Nicolas Cage impression until just now. So, oh man, I could, I could, I could, I could do better than that, and I will. Um, <laughs> we should let's jump into the the plot. We've we've talked a lot, but I think we'll we'll come into things as yeah. as we go through the 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 plot of the of the film. I'm gonna I'm gonna improvise a logline, which is that, um, uh, and I'm not going to use the characters' names. Uh, Ed Harris, um, he's playing <laughs> a, a, an army general who's had an an amazing career, like very established, won a lot of medals. Uh, fought in Vietnam. It's a decorated he's, he's, war hero. Yeah, three purple hearts, three silver medals of honor, or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a hero or, or a, a legend, as someone else calls him. Um, so yeah. he uh, it opens on him. He is basically 
has led a lot of missions that were covert kind of uh, illegal operations into enemy territory that the public in America mm. don't know about. As a result mm. of these, uh, you know, war efforts or these illegal activities, many of his men were killed in battle and they were not given the reparations that he feels they should have been by the American government. They were not told, their, their families were not told that how they died. Uh, they were not yeah. compensated, all this kind of stuff. So he's he's slighted um, and he's gone through, the way that I saw um, Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer talk about it was they were like, he's gone through all the proper channels, uh, but it hasn't worked. He's gone to Congress, he's gone, and I was like, we didn't see that. <laughs> we didn't see that at all. So um, anyway, he he's apparently <laughs> gone through all that, but this is his kind of last ditch effort to get um, uh, justice for his his uh, fallen men. He steals with, along uh, with a lot of uh, help from this kind of mutinied kind of military unit. He steals uh, toxic gas, kind of uh, chemical weaponry from um, uh, a naval X2 base. X two nerve gas. Yes, which is the naval base is is very helpfully labeled um, naval weapons depot. Which I was like, yeah, that'd that'd be accurate. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of convenient like labels and signs everywhere. Like, did you notice? I don't know if this is like a common thing that like tombstone or like gravestones do or whatever. But when he like went in, in the very opening scene, Ed Harris yeah. pays respects to his um his his deceased partner at a grave, yeah. and it just says her name, Bob whatever and then his wife at the very top and that yeah, was it. A, no it doesn't say his wife <laughs> does says, it it's it no it doesn't say his it just wife. says his wife no it's it his wife no no it no does. it does uh, i'm gonna get it up i'm gonna get I, it up just to i thought prove i saw my point. that i th- saw that as well but i assumed that it said beloved wife or like you know, something like that, like beloved wife or like <laughs> no, no, it doesn't it's, it's it just, just says his wife what do you mean? It, I'm looking at it right now. It just says his wife. <laughs> it's like Jerry Brockheimer literally just like subliminally pops up on the screen and goes, it's his wife. You idiots. He's paying respects to his wife in the Eat picture. Eat your popcorn and suck down your, your Pepsi, you <laughs> morons. His wife? But his name isn't on the it tombstone, says, is it? It just says his wife, Barbara Hummel. Oh, That's my what God. It says. Well, yeah, that's the kind of movie we're getting into, folks. That's insane. That that's that's got to be a mistake. That's got to be like because I saw that I saw that and I felt like a subtitle was at the bottom of the screen, just the like poor, explaining things. The, the poor the poor props department in this film had so much work to do. They couldn't be. They were like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like we got to make these green balls. It's fine. They'll probably blow it up in a minute. It yeah. doesn't matter. It won't oh, be on man. the screen for more than a second. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind <laughs> God, of our okay, opening man. image. So. Can you imagine if someone like transcribed this logline? I say in inverted commas <laughs> and like gave it to you and said, "This is the film. This is the film." Ed Harris it's, is like, well, yeah, his yeah, wife. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what <laughs> happens in the movie? He, <laughs> what happens in the picture? So he. Um, <laughs> They, they, yeah, they steal this chemi- chemical weaponry that has kind of unbelievable powers to kill people, a lot of people very quickly. They take it to The Rock, a- a.k.a. Alcatraz. They call up the government and say, we've got 81 hostages who were in this tourist group. We've put them all in the jail cells. Hmm. If you don't give us our demands, which is kind of $1 million for each soldier that was killed, um, 89 of his soldiers who were killed and, and money to, to, to kind of compensate their families, uh, then we will launch these chemical weapons on San Francisco and we'll kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions, kind of thing. Uh, and so Nick Cage is a chemical weapons expert from the FBI. He's brought in to, to, uh, to 
kind of be the consultant on that in that matter. And then Sean Connery uh, is brought in as the kind of former SAS British operative secret soldier uh, who mm. who uh, was put in Alcatraz back in '63 or something, escaped and mm. then was was uh, you know put in jail eventually uh, without a trial because he stole a lot of American mm. secrets, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like who killed Kennedy and uh, and and another discrepancy in this film: Kennedy was killed in '63. Connery stole mm. the list of who killed Kennedy in '62. Maybe. Kennedy was killed before he was assassinated. <laughs> like maybe that was a body double. Maybe they had maybe. like a clone of JFK it ready to go. Deep. We need to kill him publicly somehow. Um, yeah. And obviously yeah. Only, film, only Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery know. And whoever made the film, I guess. Um, but yeah, what a, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> oh um, yeah, and that kind of opens up pretty much the the film. They then, <laughs> you know, it's 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 yeah. this it's this rescue mission. On Alcatraz against the uh, the the Navy SEALs who have mutinied, and uh, Nick Cage and Connery are kind of added alone after things go wrong, and and hilarity mm. ensues. Hilarity thrills. It's all in this one, baby. It's all in this one. So in this opening scene, I just need to say that one soldier. I don't know why, but only one soldier when they're when they're stealing the chemical weapons from this naval depot. One of them is like fully decked out in face paint, in camo face paint, and I I loved that he was the only one. <laughs> like for some reason, he took it real serious and was just like, it's that weird shot where he just comes into frame and he's just like, with his eyes real wide, and you're like, why is this guy so full on? Is he the main character? Nope. Oh man. Like you said in that, like in that beautifully succinct and economic logline just now, just now, uh, uh, Colonel Hummel or whatever he is, General Hummel, Ed Harris, basically, yeah, breaks into this chemical, chemical weapons facility, steals all these crazy weapons, and then takes him to Alcatraz. Um, that's our intro to him, and then immediately he like he sets the proceedings, he gets the proceedings going. He makes a call to the head of the FBI lists his demands. They take it to a cabinet of like government officials, including generals and you know chiefs of staff and all that kind of crap. <clears throat> and a bunch and of young guys who ain't taking him seriously. They have like one contingency plan, which is potentially using this, not napalm, but some sort of like, I don't know, super hot flame bomb thing to like just nuke Alcatraz off the planet, uh, yeah. killing the hostages, but also like neutralizing the threat of the X2 nerve gas. Um, and they have that in their back pocket, but before they use that, they decide they need to bring in um, an expert. And then we cut to Nicolas Cage. The first yeah. thing we see him do is do like this spin and like almost James Bond-like shot yeah. at the camera with this little yeah, point. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, which I was like, okay, this sets up that, yeah, he hasn't got like the experience, but like he's got, you know, he's maybe got the skills, like he can shoot without he's, realizing it. He's that got kind of the thing. intent to kill. <clears throat> He's got the intent to kill, but not the um, license. Um, what it really <laughs> needed was him, like, what it really needed was him, like, driving home in traffic, like, being late. Because by the time he jumps into that Ferrari and chases Sean Connery, I was like, how the hell does he have the skill to do this? <laughs> like, there's no way. Three weeks of, um, of, of FBI training. True. Yeah, that, um, that would definitely pay off. I forget but, to do, like, the whole 
car driving workshop. In it's such it's it's an interesting at, opening at to it because yeah, we we learn that his name is is Goodspeed. Um, he's a Beetle maniac yeah. for some reason, which which never comes into play. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's. Is it meant to be like a way for us to be it, like, ah, oh, this guy likes the Beatles, the most popular band in the world. It does I in like a way. Too. Maybe I guess you're like, oh, he's a human being. He's got some character to him. He likes music. See, this is another reason sense. why I think it's a dad film because he's like the first thing we True. see him do is do a James Bond move to camera and then be like, vinyls are better than CDs. Yes, that is actually you know, a really good immediately point. Immediately, all, of the, all of the 45, 50 plus year olds are like, yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> I like this guy. Another reason why this is a Gen Z, Gen Z film because they would also be like, oh, I like this guy. I like Vinyl. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vinyl, bring us back. Yeah. Um, That's so true. So they have their well, scene in the poison gas chamber, yeah? Yeah, so like his his team at the FBI found this this package. They think it's armed with some kind of like uh, poison. I forget what kind. Something some nerve agent or another. Uh, him and another like scientist get into these hazmat suits. They go in to try and defuse it. Um, we immediately get the sense that Nicolas Cage is skilled at stuff, which is defusing bombs. Turns out there's a bomb in this crate. Um, all this gases shooting off everywhere. The cameras jumping around like crazy. And he starts diffusing it. He's still chill. I didn't um, really get why is he good at diffusing bombs? He's a chemical weapons expert. Is, is that is that a? I thought he was meant to be like a chemist and like a toxicology guy. Like, why can he diffuse bombs? Well, he's a. Uh, well, so in the next scene, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be asking questions uh, like that. <laughs> I think the the benefit of this film is it moves. At such a pace that you don't question this kind of stuff until after the movie. Yeah. So true. when you're in it, you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Wait a minute. No, it <laughs> Wait doesn't. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but you're on to the next scene. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, he's an expert, like, with, with I don't know, like, uh, toxic bombs or something like that. Chemical you, bombs. So maybe he's, I, like, worked around with I think that's fair. You know what I love about the next scene is that he's in his apartment very nice apartment with a, a guitar mm. and we know from the first scene that he's a beetle maniac so i'm like great yep. let's see him play a nice song on the guitar he's playing the worst guitar that i think has ever been played like he's just doing that weird thing where clearly he didn't know how to play the guitar so they were just like just just strum it you'll look cool but he's playing like one note and it's like a brown note it's like bow, 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 bow. and then like his Naked beautiful as well. wife walks in yeah his beautiful wife yeah. walks in or, or girlfriend as we'll find out because that's mm. that's the whole storyline um and, yeah. and she, she's like, how was your day? I had an interesting day. And he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I had kind of an interesting day too. And then he just <laughs> plays it one more time and puts it down. It's like, no, it. Also naked. Nicolas Cage insisted that he be naked in this scene as well. I mean, he's uncaged. Uh, Michael Bay was like, huh? Part of the trilogy. Yeah. What does that tell you? What does that tell us about him? I think it says the same thing that what Hollywood does anyway, which is like, let's get some, let's, let's get some skin going pretty early. Like, you know. <laughs> I kind of think it's Nicholas refreshing Cage to see. Hot. I like it when you see a guy with his shirt off in a film where he's not like roided up. Like he was just a normal looking dude. That's true. Yeah. Cool. Also, in a Michael Bay film, it's like it's completely flipped because usually it have like I don't know Rosie Huntington Whiteley or something like that coming out in just a towel or something. Yes. Uh, yes. But this time it's Nicholas Cage being completely naked. A nice flip on the trope there. Uh, well, and again, uh, not well really Michael done, Bay's uh, decision. 
Uh, well, it wasn't really Michael Bay who made the decision. <laughs> it was just Nicolas Cage. This, so, this again, one, this... props off, you know, props to Nicolas Cage. Yeah, this scene had one of my favorite, actually a genuinely a genuine laugh, but the first and only genuine laugh, in the film, which was uh, which was when his wife or his girlfriend then tells him, you know, I had an interesting day. Oh well, so did I, you know, but whatever. And then she says, uh, you know, he's he's talking about the the bomb that he defused, and then says, why would anyone bring a kid into this world where you know we're fighting against terrorists through the mail? And then she goes, oh well, I'm pregnant. And he tries to act excited and then uh, she goes, but you, you said you just wouldn't bring a kid into this world. And he's like, well, I meant it at the time. It was like that was seven seconds ago. A lot he's has del- happened since then. Yeah, no, that was, that was, that was good. I like God, that. he's such a hollowed out man that he can't feel like any happiness or like any kind of real emotion about what his girlfriend yeah. tells him. And we should he's say like, as well. I've seen, like- he's seen so much horror in his life, it seems, in his career. This I don't know if it's the point to get into it, but I think we'll probably keep touching back on it. But the take that I have on this film is that I think I it's not it's not a hot take. It's kind of like an obvious like of course like why would you? But it's a mild take. Uh, it's a mild take. It's like this is a film where a picture a picture where you could kind of argue that. The geeky kind of beta male guy <laughs> gets kind of alphaed up, and that that's that's like that's aspirational. Like he he learns how to shoot oh, yeah. a gun, he learns how to kill a man, he learns how to like uh, I don't know embrace um, a lot of these kind of really action heroy tropes that. If you actually took it outside of the film and put it into real life, it's a really sad and traumatic thing that he goes through, <laughs> which is that he he sees people get murdered, he murders people, he like he murders someone in he put like like it's just and 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 it's kind of exemplified in that line where Sean Connery says like losers you know um try their best winners go home and have sex with the prom queen and and then nick cage says like my girlfriend is was the prom queen and it's almost like again i'm i know i'm taking this too seriously and that is just meant to be a moment where it's like ah yeah but the reason it's meant to be a moment where we're like ah yeah is because it's like ah he's cool like he is cool like we can root for this like (laughs) and it's, it's measured on his kind of escapades as a man both violent Mm. like violent actions and like sexual conquests like it's like a weird so it's it's a very 90s film in that way as well because it's it's i thought the film was going to be celebrating cage doing this action hero uh uh, winning the day in his own way but it's Mm. not it's him adopting connery's kind of brute male kind of like shoot first, ask questions later kind of thing Yeah, um, that I was like, oh, they had a chance to kind of flip the, flip the script before this became somewhat of a cliche or maybe, you know, in response to a lot of the 80s kind mm. of like, you know, steel-faced, you know, silver-tongued, mm. you know, action heroes. Mm. And, uh, and yes, he's goofy in, an, in times and he's kind of it, – it, it's, it's a little bit of a buddy cop film in that way because he's kind of the, the one we wouldn't expect to win the day. But – he only wins the day through adopting the same methods that Connery does, which is kind of lame mm. because, you know, you you would like to see it flipped, but you know, I, I don't, I still don't think it really has been. 
even in films. No, I now. think that's a very, I think that's a very accurate take. I think that's really spot on, actually. I think that's, that's even reinforced in a lot of the decisions Michael Bay makes. Nicholas Cage commented how he looked like a bit of a dork, a bit of a schoolboy when he was the only one wearing goggles as they were about to launch into the mission, breaking into um, Alcatraz with the SEAL team. Mm. and Michael Bay was like, yeah, I want you to look like as much of a dork as possible. Mm. And so by the end, yeah, it's completely, he is reborn as, yeah, your, your atypical action hero. Even as, I think the Christ, he even as the Christ kind of, you know, crucifix yeah. stance where he's have, holding the flares and, you know, all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he, he exactly. has that moment a lot before of they launch, before they launch into the ocean, and he's he he doesn't say it with the rest of the gang. Everyone's like, "Yeah, we're ready," and he goes, "Oh, oh yeah, we're ready." Yeah, like he has that kind of nerdy, <laughs> like you're not part of this gang. Who invited you, you science freak? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was expecting there to be way more, um, like you might see, and I'm trying to think of an example uh, where this trope is used. But I was thinking there'd be a lot more hazing from the team, yes. where they're like. Who brought the science geek? Yeah, yeah. Hope yeah. you know how to shoot a gun there, Poindexter. There's there's a little bit there's of probably that in a little the, bit of that in the lead in, but it's mostly from the government officials. It's mostly from like the the people in command yeah. who are like, you know. But then mm. they make it, you know, it's interesting. Anyway, I want to get to this thing where when we, we then cut to after Nick Cage uh, finds out that he's going to be a dad and then also that he's going to have to probably marry this woman, uh, which, you mm. know, again, it's that weird thing of like like I don't know. I, it, Can I just say that scene is pretty off. Like imagine coming up to your partner saying, I'm pregnant. I love you. I want to marry yeah, you. And then yeah. his reaction is. Argh. His reaction is ah, shit. Like it is very, <laughs> but again, that's, I think that's why it speaks to a lot of the, the gross kind of very masculine, like energies of like, ah, you got, you got no time for this lady. Like, you just leave her like don't 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 get tied <laughs> down man you're a free man it's it's no it's there's nothing more manly than ditching your woman and hanging out with another man ditching your pregnant broad <laughs> yeah um but yeah i love i love <laughs> we then we then cut to ed harris kind of getting the job done on the island he's like securing it mm. he, he's taking hostage mm. all these people on this tour and i love the yeah. moment where he tells yeah. a group of school children Go and tell your teacher yes. that you have to leave right now. And I'm like, Ed, yeah. that's not going to work. They are going to, no. even if they go and tell this kid, uh, even if they go and tell their teacher, this skeleton yeah. man told us that we have to leave, then they're not going to do anything. They're going to be like, what are you talking about, Sally? You're eight years old. Shut up and get on the, you know, you get, come on the tour kind of thing. Like, it's not a good method. It works, weirdly enough, but it's not a method yes. that you should employ to be like, I'll be the good guy here and get all the kids off the island before we take yes. hostage. That would not work. This movie, that <clears throat> that makes, yeah, that highlights an interesting point, which is this movie, like, has a lot of setup and ticks all the boxes you need to suspend your disbelief, but they, it doesn't necessarily do it in smart ways or intelligent mm. ways. Like, I was mm. waiting for this guy to do something intelligent that I wasn't in- expecting, um, but a lot of time it wasn't. A lot of the time it was just them going, ah, he does this, and now you know that this can happen. Yes. We couldn't think yes. of anything better. I think yeah, they had 70 my... pages of the script written by the time they went into production. With it. <laughs> so, Jesus, yeah, that's an really? example of them just going, 
something like that. And a lot of it was improv, like you said, from Sean Connery and all the actors, and especially Nicolas Cage. Well, I heard that Connery's character initially was actually an American who was just a prison inmate in Alcatraz back in the day. He didn't have any of the English SAS yeah. backstory that kind of now had, we all know, uh, like links to the James Bond character. And that was all yeah. Connery being like, no, 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 he should be wrongly imprisoned. He should be British because, like, listen to me. Like, and he should be, uh, he should be an SAS. <laughs> like, imagine if he was American. And the other thing that's annoying is they keep saying that he's British and they're like, you stupid Brit. You know, my dad was Irish. That's why I'm going to punch you in the face. It's like, he's clearly <laughs> Scottish. He is like the most <laughs> Scottish man who has ever existed next to Billy Connolly. Like, I was trying to figure this out because he's born in, he, apparently he's born in the United Kingdom. So I was trying to work out what is his actual background. I don't know. Well, see, the United is Kingdom Scottish, right? is, the United Kingdom is Scotland, Ireland, Wales, okay. and, and, and Britain. So uh, they say, I'm they don't say, no, 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 that's it. That, but that's the thing. He may have been, he may have been born in Britain and just have that accent from parents or whatever it yeah. is. But well, I was going to say, apparently just on that, um, that note about casting, apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the running to play Sean's, Sean's part. Um, back when the script was still half baked and they didn't have much of a character in mind, they're like, eh, he could play an American. That's that pretty thick. That thick European accent of his Austrian German accent. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is where they make no effort to explain why he's both super humanly muscular and also has mm. the most, the thickest accent. It's like kindergarten cop. They're just like, yeah, yeah, he's just an he's a true blue American, and he's just like yeah. hello, like it's yeah. just like <laughs> <laughs> total recalls. Another yeah. example of that where he's like, <laughs> I'm just an American Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just works in a mine or something, and he looks yeah. like a fucking Terminator. <laughs> the other one that's great is um is uh is oh the Christmas one that he does um uh the one with the he's all he's trying to do is get his son a, a a doll it's like a buzz lightyear style doll called turbo man and God, it's no like idea. the the no. gift to get he's get, and he's like i've got to get my son the turbo man doll and he can't even say <laughs> he can't even say turbo like it's like it's like turbo like he's like and he's meant to just be like he's, yeah, he's, he's meant to just be the typical american dad like just str- it's like they never make he's 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 kind of nemesis in the film is um um, Phil Hartman, the late, yes, the late great Phil Hartman is like he's he's like his sidekick or his antagonist in the film. So it's like a constant, oh like there's constant verbal battles between the two, and it's like a really American guy versus a Schwarzenegger. <laughs> They're meant to be like <laughs> just just neighbors who grew up together. It's so strange. Mm. Um, it's always it's always fun playing the what if game when it comes to casting. Um, mm. It would be interesting seeing what. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger would bring to the, this role, but it definitely works way better with this being an older character, an older actor at the end of his run, basically. I feel and like, like it, I can't yeah, imagine, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't imagine Nicolas Cage being able to compete with Schwarzenegger, who would just take up so much of the frame mm. physically, literally. I do <laughs> with his like monumental size, but who? I just don't think it would work nearly as well. Who would be the 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 two the double header of this film if it was made today? I mean, jeez, almost like Har- like a Harrison Ford type would almost work. Yeah. Although I think I don't know how much like pep he would bring. 
<laughs> to the role. Certainly less than Connery um, did to this. But that would be ironic because yeah. of Last Crusade. Like he was kind of Connery, like passed the torch to him in that. Mm, yeah, yeah, Junior. true. Oh, yeah, true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I like. Yeah, Connery, maybe man. Harrison Ford and like Chris Pratt and some piece of garbage. I don't know. Um, See, the thing is, they would bring. They would be like charming and fun, but none yeah. of them would bring the kind of like unpredictability Manic. that Nicolas yeah. Cage brings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his decisions are just so. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, how how much would you hate this film? It was just like a very dull, boring, like, meh, oh, so run-of-the-mill action so hero. True. No, um, this just works what, so much better. With scene before yes, that, that's the next scene. He's getting a, it on. A moment before that, um, uh, I wrote, okay, so these are my three notes in a row that when they're, when they're okay. taking on the rock and it's all the military personnel, <laughs> I wrote Dr. Cox, exclamation mark, because uh, uh, I think his name's Perry McGinley. John C. Um, McGinley. John C. McGinley um, is is the guy who plays uh, Doctor Cox in Scrubs. He's one of the he's one of the yeah. right hand men. And then there's Tuco, yep. which I was like, holy shit! Did you see that? Yep. How crazy! I is did that? see that. Uh, Tuco he's in there, yeah. <clears throat> and Better Call Saul um, as a young man. Yeah. And then and then I wrote twenty three minutes in. Hell yes! In 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 all capitals because I was just like in, I was loving it so much. <laughs> yeah, this movie has a lot of great. Um, a lot of great character actors in there. Yeah. It's a great cast. It's great. Like you said, uh, John C. McGinley's in there. Yeah, Michael Bean. It was so good to see Michael Bean in yes. there. William Forsyth. Uh, there was another great one who I love. Um, oh, my God. It's the guy from Magnolia. What's his name? He only appears in one scene as well. Oh, well Tom Cruise. Come back to me. There was a there was a scene uh, <laughs> before at the, around this time where the, all the generals are talking around the round table and discussing the Mm -hmm. implications of this chemical war if it happens. And it's this really weird Mm -hmm. trap that one of them lays for the other one where he's like, um, he's like, uh, Anderson, how many people will be killed if, uh, if, if this thing launches? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, 80, 85. And then one of them's like 80, 80, 80, 85 people. That's not that bad. And then the other guy goes thousand, 80 to 85,000. You don't. You think that's not yeah. enough? Like he, he's like traps this guy. He's like you didn't say that. You you left a break between the word yeah. eighty five and thousand, yeah, 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 so yeah, that yeah. someone would be like, oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> it's like why would you? Well, that's such a weird ploy to make it so that this guy looked like a jerk who didn't care. He's like, hey man, yeah. you just added, you just times that by a thousand. Um, Tari, I have a very important question at this point in the film, which oh, yeah. is the it, it's we're at the interrogation scene with uh, with. Yeah. with Connery's character and, and the, the FBI. Do you yes. think... Let's just preface this. Sorry. Let's just preface this by saying, yeah, Nicholas Cage has gotten the call. He needs to go to San Francisco. He thinks it's just a simple work call, and he invites yeah. his girlfriend with him as well, his fiance. Yeah. Is this yeah. line is this line the hardest that Connery ever had to deliver in his whole career, given his accent, right? I'm going to read it in my accent. Mm-hmm. I want a suite. I want a shower, a shave... And the feeling of a suit. Do you think that's the hardest line <laughs> phonetically that Connery ever had? <laughs> I, want a, I, want a I want a shower and a shave. <laughs> and a feeling of a suit. Oh, this is too much. Too many asses. <laughs> there's, so oh there's so God. many winks to the camera in this film, not only with Connery with that kind of stuff, but also like his quips. 
his his um he he makes a mo- he takes a moment where they're scuba diving and he says in my day we just used a, a snorkel and a, a and then some flippers and I'm like ah oh, that's a reference to him and Bond like all this kind of stuff where he just was always in like <laughs> flippers and a snorkel and that was it and doing these incredible yeah. like missions yeah there's a lot of member berries even back then yeah mm. <laughs> well so the scene is um <clears throat> they they realize the FBI and the the American government realized they're going to need an expert to help a SEAL team break into Alcatraz, stop Colonel or General Hummel, Ed Harris, and neutralize the threat. Um, they can't do that with they can't do that without someone who knows the ins and outs of the subterranean level of Alcatraz. The so rack. they bring in this. They bring in yeah. They bring in the Rock Johnson. <laughs> they bring him in. He's the kind of person who would play. Uh, Sean Connery's character now. They'd they'd get The Rock to star in The Rock. I think. <laughs> but he's in everything now, these days. By the way, listeners, this movie was very hard to research purely because anytime I typed in The Rock movie, like <laughs> action movie, it was just like, did you mean The Tooth Fairy? Did you mean this? Yeah. Did you mean that? I'm like, no. Yeah. No. And every time I typed in The Rock 1996, I just got photos of Dwayne the Rock Johnson with some hair left. Yeah. In WWE, just pointing at <laughs> <one> aggressively. <sighs> okay, so so uh, yeah, enter Sean Connery's character. I don't know his name. He comes in, and he's brought into an interrogation room, and they ask Nicolas Cage to sort of bring him into the mission. Uh, the the head of the FBI has a history with this person and doesn't want to doesn't want to see him basically um there's some kind of you know unspoken history between them we don't know what uh something shady something need to know and you don't need to know i feel like a lot of people say that in this movie a lot of people say that and a lot of people say like it's classified and then like nick adopts that adopts that as a way to be to get some power early on where he's yeah yeah and it's it's like yeah so yeah. we know that it ain't um, legitimate yet, Tyree. We know that he's not a man's man yet because he's just copying. He's not his own man making his own decisions. Like, and this like is another, later in the picture is... where he shoves a chemical weapon into a man's mouth. <laughs> this is a, this scene's another example of uh, me expecting something very – well, something very clever to happen um, – uh, and it ended up my expectations were subverted when something clever didn't happen, which mm. is uh, one of the FBI agents, William Forsyth, uh, Forsyth flicks Sean Connery a quarter and says, why don't you call your lawyer? You'll be going back to jail soon, something like that. Um, and then uh, Sean Connery takes that quarter and we know because he's an expert um, prison escape artist. We know he's going to use that to break out somehow. And I was thinking maybe that escort, maybe they'd start ex- escorting him back to the prison. Yeah, yeah, He'd break yeah. out in a clever way, and yeah. off he goes. Using but instead, what he does is he crushes the coin with his chair. Okay, that sounds interesting. What's I don't know why he's doing that. Interesting. Makes it a he sharp. He picks it up. Edge. It's all like it's all sharp. It's all yeah. sharp. And I was like, okay, you can use that to pick something or hurt someone. Maybe. <laughs> everyone leaves the room. He goes up to the two-way mirror while everyone's in that other part of the room talking. He just like scratches a circle and smashes. Like the lightest, as in like the lightest scribe you've ever seen. Like re- <laughs> it's like the Irishman scene where we're meant to believe that uh, that De Niro can like beat someone up, but it just looks really weak. And it's the same. Connery does a great job in this film of actually kind of looking athletic and r- running pretty well. Like he's not, you know. He's yeah. Not so old yet, but he does that. Yeah, really weird. It was 
weak circle. He draws a circle, yeah. And then smashes through the... And just to get the sense of who's working on the case so he can be like, ah, I knew it was you. It's very He calls it... He says... Every time he says it, it brings me joy. Womack. Yeah, I should know. (laughs) 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 So yeah, the head of the FBI of Womack has a history with him. We don't know what it is. Who do you find out? Um, It's neat to know, listeners, and you don't need to know. Yeah, Yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, Um, They give him the suite that he wants for a couple hours. They take him up to the hotel. They give him a shower and a shave. Yeah. uh, During which he kind of is making plans to make some kind of escape. Uh, Mm. Another kind of sad 90s quick joke at the expense of... Uh, you know, underrepresented people is like this this hairstylist who comes in and is just the worst stereotype yeah. of a gay. This man. is something. This is something. I know I didn't write this script, but again, it's hard to say how much of this film was you know, scripted and improvised, or just made up on the day, or yeah. you know, made up a week before they shot a scene. Um, this is something <laughs> that Michael Bay just keeps butting heads with, which is like making these really either misogynistic or you know, bordering on, or maybe even completely homophobic, like characters, or even just like flat out racist characters. Yeah, that's, like, and he's got an example of each in this film. There's the the his yeah. Nick Cage's girlfriend, um, the the hairstylist, and then even like yeah, the the African American train conductor who is the just there. Driver. They're all yeah. just there for quick jokes yeah. that that are just the the base level, you know. Um, Mm. Uh, stereotypes of of who they're representing and and you know yeah. I don't want to like it's that thing we're talking about a movie that was made in '96 it's gonna have things that yeah. we're like grossed out by or like you know yeah. I'm not yeah, saying it that it's 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 one of those everything things, dates everything everyone dates. Date, everything dates it's nothing I'm sure that hopefully there was nothing done with actual ill content or ill will to these you know groups but. No. It's just interesting to see and comment on. It's not like a direct. I don't want to bore people with like you know. I don't want to bore people with just bringing up things that like to complain about. It's just an interesting fossil of its time where it's like mm. these things have effects in culture. When you have a, the only gay character in this film is a guy who is so effeminate that all he cares about is the hairstyle that he gave to this convict, even after he's seen mm. like an attempted murder. It's, it's, mm. it's breeding some bad things in, you know, in the, yeah. in the world. Well, the only reason I bring it up is because he just he keeps doing it. I haven't seen these recent films. I mean, the last thing I think I saw was like Terminator, not Terminator, sorry, Transformers mm. 4, 3, I can't remember. But anyway, it's like the same characters keep occurring like time and time again. So it's not like I'm not trying to uh, make a case about this thing. It's like he keeps on doing it. And I yeah. think he'll keep on doing it yeah. as long as he makes movies. And I think um, I think he's doing it from from a perspective of someone who does not know him at all. I would argue that he's probably doing it as a quick, easy laugh in what is otherwise just an yeah. action packed. Like he's like, let's do yeah. this because it's easy and funny, but it's it's yeah. not funny. Yeah. It's just easy. Yeah. And it makes people yeah. like him giggle, but it's not mm. actually like clever in any way. It's yeah. just like a gross, yeah. quick stereotype. Yeah. What is what is interesting is that Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer make all these films that have a lot of homoerotic elements in it. Like mm. we were talking about with the bromance between uh, Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, but especially in a movie like Top Gun, this is something Quentin Tarantino pointed out, I think in some, some article he wrote or just like some interview he did, which is that these films are really homoerotic and feature yeah. a lot of homeless men sometimes like high five in each other or slapping each other on the butts. And yeah. it's, it's, it's just interesting seeing like them, I don't know, 
don't know where I'm trying to go with this, but it's just interesting seeing that. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's homoerotic in the sense that it's like shirtless men, like, you know, other than that, it is, they are films about men only coming together and learning such a basic thing of like, oh, we should work as a team. It's them doing those things through warfare and violence, like extreme yeah. levels of, of kind of, you know, soulless, you know, got to do the job kind of energy that is like not actually, it's, it's, it's like that thing of like, um, when you see a man cry in a film, it's usually alone. And if it's not alone, someone tells them to stop crying pretty quickly. It's that thing. Mm. So it's like, yeah, you, you can have male friends and get shirtless with them and play a game, but only if you're, if only if you're also like killing bad guys and, and having sex with women. Like it's, 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 so I would say that it's not necessarily, I don't know if I'd even call it homoerotic. Like it's got elements mm. that maybe you could call that, but I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's an interesting, um, I would say it's, it's, it's not, it's, they're not films that kind of promote that. It's just like, a. it's like they're, they're, they're films about like masculinity in, in the worst of ways more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because you okay. think about you know Iceman's de- uh, not Iceman, um, Goose's death in Top Gun, and mm. Tom Cruise is like told to get on with 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 things so quickly that and and when he cries, he cries in the in the space of a woman who then nurtures him. He doesn't cry with other men. He doesn't talk about Goose with other men. You know, there's mm. like a quick exchange in a locker room that's like, "Hey, I'm sorry," you know, like. It's, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think, uh, and often probably these, these, this is not something that they think about on a, on that level when they're crafting it. It's only probably something you can analyze after the fact. So it's not necessarily a huge criticism. It's just an interesting product of the time, you know? Yeah, I agree. Very, very interesting aside. So Sean, Sean Connery is taken to, um, this hotel suite at the Hilton or something like that. His demands are given to him so that he can cooperate with them. While he's there, yeah, he's given a haircut, he's given a shave and a shower and a whole bunch of food, and he makes his escape. Uh, he manages to get into someone's Humvee and starts starts zipping across uh, San Francisco. All the FBI agents give chase, and so does Nicolas Cage in a Ferrari uh, that he knows how to drive very well. Um, a lot of destruction. Again, anything that they can smash has to have more pieces to it that like add more texture to the frame so it's like if he's going to smash into a truck it's going to be a truck full of like water canisters that splashes and sprays it yeah 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 he's going to like smash into anything it's going to make a gigantic mess and there's going to be sparks everywhere yeah um this goes on about around about this time i was kind of phasing out a bit i was like i really want i didn't need the hotel scene at all i thought it was too much of a stretch because like we said earlier i was like there's a a nuclear, you know, a chemical warfare threat happening. Can we just cut to the chase a little bit? Uh, but the reason uh, Sean Connery makes his escape is so that he can meet up with his estranged daughter, uh, who we never see again after this scene. There's a, there's a short little moment with her. Um, Nicholas Cage uh, follows him, understands what he's going through, and decides to give Sean Connery uh, or decides to keep the image of a good father alive in Sean yeah. Connery's daughter, basically. Yeah. Um, he says, he didn't break out of prison. Uh, he's helping us with a mission. Would you like to come with us? 
Even though in that moment, did you see, did you see in that moment when he says that and the daughter like accepts it and walks away, there's like a hundred cops around them all pointing guns at Connery. (laughs) Like that, that lot again, Bay just being like, it works, move on. Like, it's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Why would she believe that? It's like, cause she's some dumb broad. It's like, oh God. (laughs) Bay, what are you doing? It doesn't matter. You're winning it. Move on. Uh, um, so yeah, the, did you notice in that uh, scene the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack? E kind of like the the vibe. If you ever go, if you go back and watch the the hotel escape scene, listen to the music in it. It is the most Pirates of the oh, Caribbean dude. music I've ever heard. This Gladiator Pirates of the Caribbean. There's a Hans Zimmer's kind of like, you know, he's being very green and he's, you know, reducing, recycling, and reusing quite a bit. Did he do like this even song? though like the look? Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer, oh, you know, he, he brings that team together. Yeah, no, um, so literally yeah. when, when Connery is escaping the hotel, it's like... Even like the... the more, <laughs> even like the scenes with more gravity have that low sort of choral aspect with all those like, um, those like baritone choir singers going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. features a lot in his... And I feel like Hans Zimmer's just been trying to find ways to make singers sing lower and lower and lower, <laughs> just on the scale. Lower. Lower. To the point where now it's like he's, in, he's doing Blade Runner in June and there's just like throat singing. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, okay. So the debrief begins at some undisclosed location or whatever. And uh, Shep, rather than Shep using... gets the line of his life in this, in this moment. Go ahead. Shep, I don't know Shep. what the... Shep is the he's the guy who on um he's the guy who ends up getting killed in the in the manhole cover and then falling down and getting like hung right oh. in front of Nick Cage. But in that moment okay, in yes. the in the briefing scene, he has the they're like Nick Cage is like, what are we doing exactly? Or like, are you ready for this cage? And then the, and he's like, I don't know, what is uh, it? And then and they oh, go, oh yeah, he says what he consti- that, yeah he goes yeah. what constitutes uh, combat, sir? Yeah, and he says that really. Yeah big one line like he would that actor would have been like this is my moment like and it kind of was yeah. nailed it it was a very weird weird yeah, moment yeah, though. yeah yeah where he kind of um, just rattles based... off the whole mission <laughs> again this is the this is the director of the production team telling us what's going to happen so we don't have to think as much yeah which is good the less thinking we have to do but, um so yeah, rather than using Sean Connery's character as a as a consultant for the SEAL team to break into Alcatraz, he re- well, he doesn't request. He says he'll need to go in um, because mm. he can't remember the layout of Alcatraz well enough. So reluctantly, he's um, he becomes the point man of the team. Uh, so it's him, uh, Michael Bean, who's played many many an evil SEAL in his life in his in his time, um, even like opposite uh, Ed Harris in The Abyss. So they get yeah, back together cool. again, which is nice. Neat little reunion. Uh, Michael Bean, a team of like special Navy SEAL, whatever's, and Nicolas Cage, who reluctantly signs on as well. He didn't really want to go in at all because he doesn't have the experience. Uh, and then the mission's away. They launch a couple helicopters towards Alcatraz. They jump into some scuba suits. They dive under. And then at the one-hour mark, the very midpoint of the film, we finally get the line, Welcome to the rock. <laughs> Yeah, after, and he, then the mission, like, and then, after yeah. he crawls through that like chicken run style oven. Um, 
It's the most like zany. Yeah, yeah right. zany is a perfect word. Yeah. Tim like, Burton what, looking like contraption with like what is this? Like at at a certain point in the film, and it's later when 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 all the missionaries get uh, all the all the army get slaughtered, and it's just Cage and Connery left. But the, yeah. the the Alcatraz becomes like the mines of Moria for a second in this film, or like 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 the lonely mountain <laughs> in the whole. They're like it's like oh my god, you're right. And like and there's like yeah. a mining trolley and like old like a mine skeletons shop, yeah. and so it's bizarre. Like, where are they? They're like <laughs> they're like in Middle Earth for a second. Oh man, that would have made this film like twenty times better if they had a skeleton in there <laughs> in like the mine yeah. shaft or whatever. Oh um, god! But yeah, that weird. And why is the why are the why is the fire still going? Alcatraz has been com- decommissioned for like thirty or forty years. I don't know. It's anyway, so bizarre. I think and the Michael Bay wrote this off. Yeah, I think Michael Bay was in an interview and he was asked that. And he was like, "It's a movie. Who cares?" Yeah, which is fair enough. Which is he fair enough. But it, it it that's the that's where we're coming from when we're when we're making these criticisms with little jabs yeah. where it's like, "Why this?" And he's like, "Who cares?" And we're like, "Yeah, but." It's shitty that you like you know he's it's but uh, you know God God love him God love him um, the uh, the the um the part I was going to mention when you said they swim towards the prison did you know that did you know how they did that shot how they're all snorkeling toward like they're all scuba diving towards it no it is not CGI it mm. is a model animated stop motion scene that they filmed oh, they made yeah they made. Um, like scale, like kind of, I don't know, one six, one eighth size models of the scuba men out of like mm. plastic and vinyl and all these materials. Mm. And they hung them from uh, like the rafters and put them on these in- incredibly complicated kind of gyros- gyroscope kind of, you know, 360 degree moving puppeteering machines essentially. Yeah. And I, if you, there's a, there's a thing on YouTube you can watch. It looks so complicated how they did this. I'm like, why not just do it in the water with scuba men? Like it's like <laughs> so they had to. It's all suspended because it's meant to look like yeah. water. It's all suspended in mm. air, and they move the camera. They move the camera backwards as they push forward with the scuba men and the the um the machinery that they have they've got in the water. And then they just kind of lay it over that with CG and stuff like that to make it look like a real shot. And um, you you watch the uh, when I watched that scene, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, that looks CG, like that looks fake. But I would have never guessed that it was actual real models that they had made to look like mm. moving. It was it was um, it was wild. It was like a yeah. Uh, it was it was like a you know scene out of um, Nightmare Before Christmas or something. How they how they actually made it that's amazing well yeah my hat off to them because i didn't even clock that i just thought it was scuba divers scuba diving they were probably uh, really painstakingly go. going over that process and bay was just like hurry it up with your stupid puppets we gotta get to the jokes <laughs> we gotta get to the jokes and the action and the quips um and yes, the oh, welcome, welcome to the rock they're officially in in the yeah. rock yeah uh and then very quickly the mission goes awry mm. um a word I thought was pronounced Ori when I first saw it in print because I'm an idiot. Uh, anyway, a random aside there. Yeah, the, the mission quickly gets derailed uh, when the entire SEAL team gets killed by Ed Harris's men. Uh, yeah, it goes so bad so quick. It's kind of annoying. It goes that they, they, it, it's annoying that they they spent so much preamble preparing this thing and then immediately it's like, yeah. well, of course, like Connery and Cage are alone on this island now. Like, 
it just it yeah. took an hour. But it, you, it's amazingly formulaic, isn't yeah. it? That it's an hour in. Um, yeah, Michael love- Bean, he shouldn't be given like command over SEAL teams because this is this is exactly what happened to aliens, <laughs> you know, to his men and aliens. It was like they all died immediately. Yeah, it's like I'm starting to think he's not like <laughs> that good. <laughs> it's it's there's something with the bean variety of actors like it was sean bean you shouldn't you either shouldn't trust him to be on your team because yeah. he's either going to betray you or he's going to die so either way exactly. he's kind of useless yeah um, <laughs> but i love um I, I i made a note after the the so, yeah but I, matt I damon say, you definitely yeah. want matt damon on your team oh yeah like yeah, he's yeah. someone you want on your team because like the entire united states will send all their like all their forces out to save him. Or uh, capture him, depending on what movie you're watching. Um, the capture him. I'm trying to think what that is. Born. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, so there you go. There's Born trilogy, and there's obviously Interstellar, uh, Martian, and Taking Private Ryan. Yes, which we will, which we will <laughs> get to. Um, we'll cover I wrote down in the scene, like I, I will say that there are certain parts in this movie that I was like, this is a cool, this is cool. Like I like that Ed Harris, he's a, vil- he was a good villain. He not, not only the actor, the way he played him, but he, you know, I agreed with him. I thought he was in the right for a lot of the time. Um, but uh, I, I watched a really incredible video essay recently um, by a guy whose YouTube channel is called uh, pop culture detective. Um, mm. And he he was talking about superhero films and how um, the villains in these films are often the people with the kind of radical ideas to change the way the world works and to often for the mm. better in their view. Um, but the thing that gets us off their side is that they're a maniac and they start killing people. And, you know, the yeah. superheroes are just there to kind of maintain the status quo, uh, which is basically mm. just like everything's working as best as we can make it. Let's just keep everything, you know, the way it is. And this is yeah. kind of fits into that mold, this film, because Ed Ed Harris is a guy who wants to, you know, amend certain things that have that he thinks have been injustices. And uh, mm. we are kind of on his side for this. Um, and even the, the even um, Bean says he yells at him like, um, God knows, I agree with you, man. But this is this is madness. You can't be doing this in this big standoff scene. Um, and it's interesting that Ed Harris isn't the one to make the call, like, yeah, kill them all. He, he kind of is losing control throughout the film of his kind of mercenaries, Mm. um, which Mm. I think is, is a cool element because you, you know, Ed Harris is, is, uh, kind of a tragic figure in that way that he's not, he, he, he ultimately doesn't want to kill a bunch of civilians. He just wants to get what he was after in the first place, but it's just that he's mm. kind of engaged himself with a bunch of, of maniacs. And so this big bloodbath happens wherein uh, all the, all the, the quote, quote unquote good, good guys are killed and uh, except for Connery and, and cage. And in this scene, I just, I've got a note. I just said, when will the killing end? I just wrote that. I don't know why, um, but it was just like, it was clearly what they wanted us to think. I think where it's like, Oh, brother on brother, man. Uh, like, you know, the kind of like Americans killing Americans. This, this Can't we just you, get you know, along? You forced, you forced my hand into this, you know. Um, he he tends to I, – I always struggle to agree with him the entire way through. Like I understood his plight to hmm. like get reparations for men who, who died in Black Ops missions and weren't recognized by their government. But he kept on referencing uh, – examples of history where people have to stand up to tyrants and stuff like that mm. you know the founding fathers of america or whatever he quotes a lot yeah um and he says sometimes you have to put down tyrants and i'm like you're targeting like 
football fields. And I know he like, as we find out, he never has any intention of like killing anyone or launching any missiles at any civilians. But like, it's just weird that he like manages to justify what he's doing by, <laughs> by yeah. saying sometimes you have to like stand up to tyrants. And I'm like, you're not. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I think he you're threatening is... the civilians. No, I think he, but I, I don't think he ever believes that he would have to, because like he says, we bluffed, they called our bluff, the mission's over kind yeah. of thing. I think yeah. that, yeah. and again, another reason why I'm very uh, assured in my belief that this is a precursor to um, National Treasure, which is that Ed Helms, mm. who is also in National Treasure as the bad guy, keeps on quoting the Founding Fathers, and that's all his deal in that movie. So I actually don't Could think be his he- twin brother. No, he no. I th- well, yes, maybe, but also maybe he doesn't die in this, and he escapes the rack maybe. to then, you know, get meet Nick Cage in a in a future life. Yeah, um, this is actually a really good point. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all possible. <laughs> no, it's it not. It's really stupid. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is. Um, I, the the line that Nick Cage has again is a great uh, when that um, when the the last of the 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 soldiers dies and he's just hanging in front of Nick Cage. He hmm. does have moments that I was like, oh, come on, play on this more. Play on this kind of geeky guy, this kind of guy who's out of his depth more in this real way where he just looks at this guy hanging in front of him and he's like, well, that's the most awful thing I've ever seen. And it's like, yeah, it totally no, would be. Uh, yes. Isn't that the This moment? is my favorite bit as well. That wasn't the moment. I love that line, though. It's when they break into the morgue, I think it is. And, oh, the air conditioning uh, <laughs> unit. The, the, the yeah, yeah, so so uh, uh, Sean Connery shoots a guy in, in his feet. He falls over. And then he shoots an air conditioning unit, which crushes him. And then after the dust settles in, like, Nicolas Cage's very unique way, says, well, that was the most awful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then it follows it up with like his that same dead guy's feet twitching, and he's like, uh, "Is that normal? Should, 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 should they do a lot of dead yeah. people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, would yeah. like me to kill him again? <laughs> Two very funny accents. Two very funny, unique accents go head to head in this one, which I love. Yes. Uh, and that's also that's one of my favorite bits as well because that's the first time the tables get to turn and um, Nick Cage gets to school. Uh, Connery. Uh, yeah, Sean he's in, Connery he's in his things. science element, yeah. He's in his element, yeah. Which is he hands, he gives Sean, he hands Sean Connery the X two weapon, which is very delicate. And if you drop one, it could kill you in instance, in, in an instant. And you can see like the fear goes straight into Sean Connery's face when he says that. And yeah. then when Nicholas Cage tries to take it back from him, and he's too afraid to like let go. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, very it's really cool. great. Um, yeah. I, I think it must have been around this time, or maybe I just made the note of it, but. Um, I think they're walking through the sewers just before they find those, those, uh, those, the weaponry before they take the chips out and, and kind of mm. achieve part one of their mission. Um, mm. again, another kind of easy score, you know, screenwriting cliche where, where Nick is like, I, I, you know, I drive a Volvo and it's beige and it's like, oh, okay. I, I get it. He's boring. He's a nerd. He doesn't. He probably's never had sex. Like it's all this kind of thing. Of like he's just a loser. Like it's this weird, and it's it, again, it's this quick, quick to the point. Yeah, you know, and it's not. I'm not saying it's good. It's just lazy. It's like let's make. How do we make this guy seem like a nerd? He drives a beige Volvo, and he likes the Beatles. Yeah. Like this kind of, you know, it's it's because yeah, yeah, again, yeah. it's not a film that we're gonna dive into these characters so much. It's a film that we're gonna just see a bunch of explosions and and have funny lines and whatever, yeah. or have done, you know. This then kind of gets into the scene where the the um, bad guys realize that they have a rat problem. They have you know a couple uh, 
guys who are still alive because um they mm. they, they start they start trying to flush them out. This is where the the mm. movie turns into kind of the Hobbit, where they they go through the mines of Moria, or the you know, uh, and, and have like big action set pieces in like really bizarre like trolley cart sequence. Uh, you know, it's uh, mm. it, it it kind of devolves into that madness for a bit, which is great fun. Yeah, some fun and games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just trying to survive. Um, when did the then- stakes raise again? So I'm trying to think. They did, they they, diffuse, when, uh, what about like, what about Mr. Henderson's head? That part. <laughs> I love that line. He just gives yeah. him a thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so good. I think I think the stakes raise when we're when we're reminded that there are hostages uh, at stake. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. but yeah, and so Connery basically says, "Look, we've we've destroyed a lot of the microchips that will that will control these rockets, but we've got to find a few more. You go find mm. them. I'll go distract the bad guys." Mm. <clears throat> and there's that great scene. It's a, so bizarre. He's walking through the prison, and the the hostages, all these civilians, see him, and they're reaching through the bars like. Help us! Yeah, yeah. You're trying it's to touch like him almost. So yeah, yeah. weird. It's it's like they're yeah, zombies yeah. or something, but they're like, mm. it's like they've like. It's sort of like them. he's this messiah. He's this sort of like messiah figure. Help us. They're trying to like just get a touch. It's like this weird yeah. ADR stuff. It's very strange. Um, he could yeah, have he... as well. I mean, it, it sets up that the 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 mechanism to open all the cages is in that same room. So I guess you could have easily done that, gotten them free, and then gone to like yes. go up against. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Harris, but oh well. Nope, he doesn't. Doesn't matter too much. Connery's whole arc in this film is kind of him not caring to becoming a man who cares. I guess because he's speaking from experience in a way, as yeah. his daughter grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. Mm. Some smart That's movie making there, Michael Bay. That's some good, good stuff. Shit. Well, anyway. The two remaining, the, the two survivors, Nick Cage and uh, Sean Connery, are apprehended and they're imprisoned inside uh, Alcatraz. And um, that's when Nicolas Cage gets that great line, Zeus's butthole, did you get out of the cage? Which is funny because his name is Nick Cage. And he becomes uh, uncaged. Sean Connery, yeah, they could have had a guard right in front of each one of those doors. Um, but I guess Ed Harris and the rest of the SEAL team were a bit stressed out and maybe blanked on a few, you know, uh decisions there game changing decisions um they break out again uh we have like this the movie starts to repeat itself again here where like for the second time sean connery tries to abort the mission he's like i'm just gonna go swimming back to the coast yeah. Um, yeah. it's like we've already done this and we know damn well he's gonna come back and well, he's, save he's gonna Cage, leave because he, he he's assuming that the army on the on the you know on the mainland is going to launch an attack that that blows the yep. island up because he's like ed harris is not going to shoot these weapons off like he's he's i saw it in his eyes kind of thing um yeah that's right like, yeah, I, he gotta knows he can't kill I gotta get off this island and then the only yeah. reason he doesn't get off the island is because he's like yeah i i uh I wanted your. I didn't want your daughter to grow up without a father because, like you said, he he. That and grow, he also, also says, like, "I can't swim." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "Oh man, swim. a shark!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a good. That was um, a good. Uh, a good. That was funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, like anyway, the two are reunited, and then we race off into the climax. Ed Harris reveals to his team that he's not willing to kill any civilians, and his team reveal that they're not really in this for the most righteous of reasons. 
No, they're sort they of assumed they're mercenary roles. They're mercenaries they're not really and mercenaries get all. paid. They want that. Yeah, they want that. Um, <clears throat> that ransom money. Uh, so they quickly mutiny against Ed Harris as a bit of a shootout. Ed Harris and his sort of right hand man go down, and they they very realistically could launch um, one of the missiles <clears throat> into yeah. San Fran. So Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery start shooting people. Lots of guns and shit. <laughs> a lot of killing. A lot of death. And a lot of blood. Ed, Ed, Ed Harris has the classic death scene of a villain who's kind of realized he's done something bad where he's like, what have I done? And then just dies. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But he does yeah, have, yeah. I mean, does he have a mini moment of redemption where he's like, it's at the lighthouse. Like, he get he gets that line out. Like, he's like, the, the last missile is at the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's but that. There's, there's I was surprised crazy... when his right-hand man um, died with him because he has the gun up to Ed Harris's head and he's like, I'm sorry, sir, it's over. But he, he, he revealed that he's also still. It's like a triple cross, has... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, I love there's some crazy deaths. They had a lot of fun in this last sequence. I mean, there's crazy deaths yeah. throughout the movie, but there's there's uh, one of the more kind of unnecessary, I would say, where um, uh, <laughs> the guy who Nick so Cage, much uh, death. The, when will it end? The the guy who Nick Cage oh. calls um, Rocket Man, and uh, which is in yeah. maybe the more clumsy of lines in this film, where he's like, "Hey, oh, yeah. you, you like Elton John." What are you talking about? You like the, the rocket man? Oh, because that's you. And then just like fires oh, a rocket. Yeah. And, and the guy not only gets pushed out of a window with this rocket, but he also gets impaled on a on a like a steel pike. Um, which yeah. I just wrote impaled on my notes, like to remind myself <laughs> that, that 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 happened. Um, yeah, that was that was crazy that happened. And like they could have easily had it set up that like Nicolas Cage was a um. I mean, we know he's a music fan, so it still kind of fits. But you know, swap the Beatles album out for an Elton John album. I know, right? Like, it's right there. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Or like, do David Bowie and be like, "You're the star, man." I don't know. Like, it's it's right there. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, like, you see a Michael Bay and they're going, "It's a movie." It's a movie. Care. Shut up. Eat your damn popcorn. Um. So yeah, you know we don't need to get, like you know they 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 get they win the day they get through it it's it's a it's a last uh you know literally last second savior uh, um yeah saving the day where Nick Cage you know yeah. uh, we we get we get a few things in this we get a few payoffs where he not only we get to see the nerve gas again kind of you know mm. in full effect but you, we also get to see the the uh, the injection through the heart which I was like we better get to see that yes. uh, and that happened yes. um, he saves himself. Um, he goes out, lights the green flares. The the missiles mm. are aborted literally last second um, by the yep. CGI uh, um, F-18s. Uh, but one bomb is dropped. It shoots uh, Nick Cage into the ocean. Um, Connery saves yep. him and uh, and, and yep. everything was well. Um, and I love at the yep. end, they, they did it a couple times, but this the end one is the most prevalent where there's this, there's this Shire-like, you know, Irish, Scottish, uh, sting music that is played whenever Connery yeah. is like in an old man wise mode where he's like, doo, 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 there's the pan flutes. They just keep on chiming yeah. in. <laughs> it's like there's really on flutes. the nose and it's like, ah, yeah. he's British. What a wonderful, <laughs> wow, what, what a wonderful he's not man. from here. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have their scene where 
Nick Cage is like calling the generals and he's like, yeah, we saved the day and uh, and and, yeah. and Connery's dead. Yeah, when asked what's the status of Sean Connery, he says he died in the explosion and he yeah, got va- vaporized, uh, incinerated, vaporized. Yes. So there's and no he- to shreds. There's no there's no uh, <laughs> to there's evidence of him left. Yeah. <laughs> to shreds, you say. Uh, much to the chagrin of Wolbach. He wanted a word with him. So <laughs> I forget at what point as well. Yeah, I forget at what point as well it's revealed that um, Sean Connery, yes, had all these government secrets and that's why he was wrongfully or imprisoned without a trial. But um, at some point he reveals that to Nicholas Cage. It was when it was when Womax it was when Womax uh, uh, Womax. uh un- under- when his underling demands to um be privy to the things that he has been denied like um yeah. somewhere halfway yeah, through the film, he's right. like yeah, he's yeah. like hey you know how i don't need to know well i need to know and then, uh, no. and then it goes yeah. into the whole exposition of like okay 1962 j edgar hoover's the head of the cia some say the whole country i'm like really you're getting that you're, you're like what are you writing <laughs> yeah, a they- book like it's such a weird way they to talk deep into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he such gets an older stone Joe Rogan section where it's just like government conspiracies one on one. Here we go. Um, and then we we cut God. to well, yeah. Well, um, before Connery we tells yeah, him but, like Connery yeah. tells him instead of going to Maui for a holiday, don't go there, Nick Cage. Go go take your your newlywed wife to uh to this small town in Central America or Texas. Where is it? Austin, yeah. Dallas, something like that. Something like that, yeah. I forget Go where. Go to this Some church, church, which I would assume that they. Why didn't they make it closer to the Canadian border? Because that's where he got arrested for doing that. It's a movie. Don't think about it. <laughs> anyway, so they go to this church. Sean Connery telling uh, Nicholas Cage about that church is probably my favorite line. I think in the entire movie, which is really? "Forget Maui." <laughs> <laughs> just so weird <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. and then and then nick the weirdest cut where nick cage opens up the 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 note to read what it says and all of a sudden yeah. connery is oh. like <laughs> 60 paces away in this massive wide shot like, how did you get there he's like goodbye walmack yeah anyway yeah um, yeah good god and then, and, that, and then, yeah. it's what's such a weird ending line. You want to know who killed JFK? It's like, yeah, what? but again, I think it's because it's like National Treasure One coming to cinemas in two thousand and four, yeah. like whatever it is. Like, it seems that's... like this this action movie is like edging towards that sentiment that a lot of movies, a lot of Hollywood movies had in the late nineties, which is this like this sort of distrust of the government this sort of skepticism and this sort of uh is this all is is there something else going on mentality that starts to come out in movies like american beauty the matrix and fight club and stuff like that which Mm. doesn't really fit in this because it's like that seems like such a extraneous element to the rest of the story yeah um it makes sean connery's character way more interesting but i'm just like what 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 does this have to do with (laughs) with like if it was more closely tied in with um, Ed Harris's problem somehow. Yeah, I guess that it's might like be more getting it like, I guess it's getting it like, I don't know. Government go- secrets. The, the, yeah, government secrets, the power of the mm. government to kind of cover things up, yeah. to not tell you the truth. Like, I guess it's kind of doing yeah. that. It is, it um, is actually kind of tied in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, it's 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 perfect. Uh, five stars, two thumbs up. <laughs> um, I, 
can't remember how we usually kind of wrap these things up. But we do. We 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 obviously it's the first of the three movies, so we can't really talk about whether we prefer it to others or whether we want to put them in a box set. Yeah. I think it would have been at least, I mean, he was a very, like, he, he's already received a lot of praise up until this point. He's just acted in a movie which, by the time he signs on to this, hasn't been, hasn't earned him his Oscar nomination and subsequent Oscar win yet. But, I mean, it's an, it was just an interesting choice by, you know, Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, and, uh, and uh, uh, Michael, Bay. Michael Bay, and whoever the casting director was, to bring on Nicolas Cage. Like an interesting choice to find someone with this peculiar energy as opposed to someone with this very straight and narrow by the numbers attitude, which would have been far less interesting. They got him first Uh, as well. Yeah. They were just like, let's cast the American Klaus Kinski, the Californian Klaus Kinski as (laughs) like him and Werner Herzog started to call him by. So I've got well, a couple I really, things. I up. really, really tripped over myself there. I've got, <laughs> um, I've got a couple things. Good actor, good guy. On. I like him. Uh, a great first installment into the Cage trilogy. I'm looking forward to Connor, and I'm really looking forward to Face Off. Hell yeah! I've got uh, a couple, yeah. a couple things I want to quickly mention. Um, I just sent you a yeah. picture on Facebook of a screenshot of the film that I took, uh, which speaks to okay. the accuracy of the stunt doubles used in this for Nick Cage. Um, which I thought was pretty funny. It's a scene of him on the phone on a motorbike driving through the streets of San Fran, and it's the <laughs> shot is just so not him. It's so good. Um, that looks like like a current Johnny Depp, like Johnny Depp post trial. Looks like that guy almost. He's got the right amount of balding happening up there, yes. and like wideness. Doesn't look um, like Nicholas Cage though. Not in his yeah, prime. No. Join us next week. Uh, for our um, Con Air installment, as we as we continue to uncage the cage. Uh, yeah. yeah, the cage is now he's on the loose. He's out of the cage. See you next week for Con Air. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be some high flying action. <laughs> Forget Maui. Forget the Rock. Omak. Oh, oh, oh baby. The only man to take us out should be uh, should be Ed Harris um, in in a scene. Uh, let's. I just want to play you one of these bloopers, just an example. Choked on these lies my entire career. Well, here and now, the lies stop. Let's pick up and do that last thing in the light, please. So I don't know Bay. what you mean in the light, sir. Right in the middle, by those two boys. You mean in here, sir. Bay is asking him to step more into the light of this shot. Yeah. And they're clearly calling each other like, sir, sir. Like it's real. they're fully in the military. Yeah, they're zone, maintaining. Right? Yes. Yeah. So that's fair enough. But listen to how he kind of capitulates now. From the window, sir? Yes, sir. Next 48 hours. God, God willing, within the next 48 hours, you will evacuate this island under cover. God damn it! <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so that's that is a taster of the kind of energy that was on this film, at least from Ed Harris's oh, perspective. And Ed Harris, if you're listening, we love you, we salute you, sir. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> please, please tune in oh, next week. Yeah. Um, man, good shit.